my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Alex Fetsky, the co-author of our book, The Uncommunist Manifesto. Highly worth uh, reading it. Also, he is the author of The Bitcoin Times. Alex, man, uh, we've been talking a lot before we started recording. I had to hurry up and hit record. Super excited to dig into all the stuff that we have. Uh, man, I think you've been on the show four or five times. Uh, a lot of stuff to dig into. But anyway, thanks for, thanks for joining me. It's going to be fun. Good to see you again, man. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been way too long. You know, there's a lot of things that I want to cover with you. Um, you know, you're a, an amazing author. Obviously, we're the both the uh, co-authors of this book, The Uncommonist Manifesto. If you haven't got it yet, you certainly should. Um, you know, you write a lot of things. You also write the uh, Bitcoin Times, uh, upcoming Bushido of Bitcoin. Lots of stuff going on there. Uh, but I want to talk. Uh, I want to talk about a piece that you wrote recently, which is pretty cool. Talking about uh, money and energy and sort of like a philosophical level, the the hard, the hard times creating hard men sort of uh, thinking, and maybe why there's some fallacy there. Um, how we don't need to change people's mind. We don't need the masses. A lot of stuff I want to dig into there. But I saw a video this morning that all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. So I just want to talk about that for a minute. And the video I'm talking about is uh, in Argentina, they uh, elected a new president that I, I thought, I, I thought this would never happen. Uh, president Miele down there. And uh, he gave a video this morning and I swear he was reading right out of like the book that we wrote here. Literally. We've just read the same books. Um, so I'm just curious your take on, on Argentina. Let me, let me ask you this question. Um, I've thought, uh, as as you've sort of kind of 
have maybe brought to my consciousness and we talk, we share idea on is that sort of democracy being a scam, right? It's a tyranny of the minority by the majority. And the problem with the democracy is that uh, mob rule. And so I always thought that once 51% of the population find they can vote themselves more money, how would things ever change? Because no one's ever going to vote to make less money if it's not their money, right? And so that's sort of the problem with democracy. I never thought we'd be able to see that change, but here we have Argentina that actually voted for this. They actually voted to end all of this, um, you know, gut the government uh, in the central bank, um, and basically they voted to get themselves less money. Were you surprised on that? Well, I, I think it, and this is part of my new uh, thinking these days and why I've gone down the Nietzsche rabbit hole. I think they voted not for that. I think they voted to, they, they voted for great leadership. And I think Millet is, you know, as, as much as the idea but, 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 but wouldn't you say, but wouldn't you say the, the, the great leadership they're voting for was the policies he was promising to no, bring? No. no, no, not at all. I don't think they understand the policies very well. I think, I, I think. They, um, you know, there's a there's a sense. There's probably like an underlying sense of kind of his primary word, which is libertad, carajo. You know, it's like you know, liberty, freedom, liberty, freedom. And you know, Argentina is quite a sophisticated, uh, sophisticated culture. It's one of the oldest cultures and most sophisticated and most European-like cultures in all of the Americas, uh, let alone just um, South America. And they have just been through socialist after socialist after socialist, scumbag after scumbag after scumbag. And what Millet represents is a different energy and a different type of leadership, which I think is what they voted for, which is my new belief. It's even less about the policies. Honestly, it's about the character of the leader. And something comes through him when you see him speak, when you see him talk, when you see the, um, the consistency behind his message and the force and the energy and the belief behind his message. It's second to none. Like Ron Paul says all the same things that Millet says, but he did not have the same energy and character as uh, Millet does. And that carries through. And I think that's why Millet is very, very, very unique. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe I, I, I could see that. And, and the reason why we see that if we dip into that is because to your point, he's a strong leader. And what we're seeing is hard times create strong men, mm -hmm. this sort of uh, circular mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. generational theory that was popularized in the book, uh, The Fourth Turning, um, and the weak men creating bad times, and then the bad times create these strong men. And so what we're seeing, and maybe Ron Paul was just too early, things weren't bad enough. But you know, to your point, I would agree, he's also not that charismatic type of personality. Mm -hmm. But what we're seeing today is these strong leaders, if you will, the Andrew Tates, the, even the Jordan Petersons, um, they really there's there's this there's this strong attraction like we're almost remember dr Mateus desmond wrote that um that whole piece on the psychosis mass formation psychosis mm -hmm. and they basically talked about when people feel isolated and hopeless and then like a leader comes and shows them a path forward they, then they'll all fall in behind them right and so Potentially these, uh, you know, the Fauci's of the world said, hey, we can all get back to normal if you do these things. And then like the Pied Piper leads them. And so maybe this this strong leader, to your point, this Millier, et cetera, um, people want to rally behind that. Like, ooh, I am attracted to that. And I, I, I feel you're the strong man that could deliver us out of this is that what you're, is that kind well, of what you're thinking well, yes so so there's always going to be a leadership dynamic right and what is important and th this is the big epiphany that i've had um you know this year really particularly going down writing the bushido of bitcoin and just studying uh the 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 virtues that uh 
created the cultures which uh, preceded the greatest civilizations on earth is that they were all um, that they all had some commonalities around what kind of virtues and what the, the strength of their leaders. Now, what I've come to believe is that we have in the last hundred years or whatever been told stupidity is like you know power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, you know absolutely all this sort of stuff. And we've had people who are fundamentally strong, people who are fundamentally authoritative in the true sense of the word. Like to be an author, to be an authority means you are a master. You've put your ten thousand hours in. You've developed competence. You've earned authority. We've we've. The, the good men, the responsible men, you know, to me, strength is a reflection of responsibility, the amount you can carry, right? Responsibility is a burden. These kind of people, instead of stepping into positions of leadership and power, they have shied away. They have shrugged that responsibility and it's left a vacuum for the weak, the Fauci's, the Lagarde's, the Klaus Schwab's, etc., the micromanagers, the bureaucratic, parasitic, middle manager, scumbag type to go and seize power because whenever there is a vacuum power will exist someone will seize it and what we're seeing i believe with the rise of Millet, is someone of character someone of true strength coming and actually seizing power and establishing leadership and i think that is the big change it's less about the libertarianism less about all that sort of stuff but that stuff is all very important because you know that is the um If you almost think about it in sales, right, there's an emotional close and then there's a logical close, right? So the emotional component is the charge of the leader. But then to reinforce the charge of the leader, there needs to be policies and systems and, you know, a process that actually makes sense. Millet is the unique blend of both, right? And that, I think, is the the big, 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 big change that we've seen. Like Trump, for example, is that charismatic leader, but the the maybe the policies don't um, match up uh, are, are not as strong as Millet's, for example, right? Ron Paul's policies and stuff might be strong, but he doesn't have the charisma of a Trump or a Millet, right? So so Millet is just that magic mix of both. Yeah, I I, th- I think one thing that you're saying there that I just want to hone in on and see if I'm hearing this right, and, and I think it's a good distinction. And so this... Um, this this thinking that um, just because somebody's in power doesn't mean they're a strong man. They can Correct. be a weak 100%. man with power. Yes. So yes. to your point, the strong man is the one who can shoulder the burden that can take mm-hmm. the responsibility. Mm-hmm. The weak men that we have running the country or the world, you named off a few, they're not shouldering anything. They're the bureaucrats saying, you do this, you do this. 100%. And really the the example that Jesus laid out in the Bible is that servants, or I should say leaders, good leaders lead from behind. Good leaders lead from maybe setting an example. Uh, so they're strong men. And then that sets the example that people want to follow. Like if you look at like Coach Bill Belichick with the Patriots, he's, you know, most Super Bowls in history. He started like, I'll watch all the game tape. Nobody wants to do it. I'm going to do it. And he set that example. And then other people on the team saw that work ethic that he put. Dude, he's doing the job nobody wants. Well, then I'm going to step up and even do more jobs nobody wants. And so that leader sort of leads by example. Um, I got to take a very quick break. I know you're ready to jump in on that. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. I'm sitting down with uh, my friend, my co-author, Uncommonist Manifesto, um, and author, um, Alex Svetsky. We want to talk about a couple of big topics we're going to come back with. We're talking about Argentina right now, but I could take a very quick break. You don't want to miss it, though, um, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Sit down with Alex Fetsky, and we're talking right now about Argentina, and then we'll get into the bigger picture of what the world is. But right before the break, Alex, you were going to say something about that. I was talking about sort of like this strong yes. leader isn't one who shrugs off responsibility. The strong leader is the one who shoulders it and demonstrates he can do it. And by demonstrating he can do it by being the least, I'll take the job nobody wants. Then it rallies other people to do that. Is that how you see it, or you disagree? So, so human beings are mimetic creatures. So there's a, there's a, a whole um, theory, what's this, uh, like things unseen. I, I can't remember the, the name of the author off the top of my head, but Breedlove and I were discussing it uh, a little while ago. And basically the, the, the premise is that everything that happens in culture, everything that happens in civilization, everything we learn, everything we know, everything we see is mimetic in nature. And the, the function of a leader is fundamentally to play role model to play example, to lead from the front. This is why the greatest leaders in history, you mentioned Jesus, there's Alexander the Great, Napoleon. But they, like but the they, but they lead from behind. Shift of the world. But, yeah, I, I, I would say they, they lead from behind. You can and, call and behind, and we, front, they're, they're semantics, I think, because like, you know, you, the people who like, 
you could say the greatest leaders like Alexander the Great went to the front of the battlefield, right? And they like example implies that you're in front so that people see, right? But but but, but technically that would be leading from behind because you would put the lowest at the front. And typically, the generals would be behind where they're safe. The, not true. Not true. That's modern warfare. No, no, no. The, the, in, in ancient warfare, the the generals, the the cavalry, the um, the royal guard fought first. Particularly Macedon, uh, the Romans. The, the the Romans kind of started to adapt to that a little bit later. But like the Macedonians, it was the it was the generals that were the first in line. The the ancient Greeks, it was the generals, the Achilles, the Hectors. It was them first in line. They would be the ones drawing first blood. It was not the other cavalry. And that was extremely important because their valor, their courage inspired their men to follow and punch through. And, and that's leading by example. Correct. When Correct. I go do this, everyone else will do it. Bill Belichick Absolutely. watching game film, everyone else will do it, right? Um, as opposed to shrugging off. So anyway, just getting back to what we're talking about. So just because we have these, the Klaus Schwabs and the Fauci's, et cetera, they're not strong men. They're weak men. And they're the ones creating the strong time, the bad times. And so we need these strong men to rise up. And so we're seeing this all over the world. And I think I talk about this pendulum that swings back and forth in uh, the Netherlands. They just said uh, massive sweeping vote and, you know, who mm -hmm. knows, whatever, maybe it's a weft plant, whatever. But it appears that he sort of had this massive sweeping vote and he's running on, again, a very strong stance of deporting, uh, you know, the migrants, ending the migrant crisis, basically this whole woke shift, if you would call it that, this liberal order, he's trying to reverse that. Um, Poland is doing it. Um, even Georgia Maloney in uh, in Italy sort of ran on that. Um, and again, back to the Tates and the, and the Joe Rogans, et cetera. So it seems like the world need, they want to hear this message. They're, they're dying for that, that strong leader to come back and fill in that vacuum, it seems like. There is, and and just I want to touch on strength. So in the in the essay that I wrote, there's um there's a section there that talks about what strength implies, right? And I use an example, which is when two people get in a ring to to fight boxing match, MMA, whatever, right? You, you would expect the person who is stronger, more prepared, faster, more skilled, etc., to win. Yes, there is a luck component, and luck is something you just can't take out of the equation of life. Luck is the ineffable. Luck is God. Luck is the thing that is immeasurable. But by and large, you know, on a long enough time scale, the more prepared, the stronger, the faster, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, will win. The weaker only wins if he cheats. So if you look at the archetype of the Klaus Schwabs and all of these sorts of people, they do not win because they're better or they're stronger or they channel power better. They win merely by creating a construct where the cheater wins. So, so they're in a ring where the stronger opponent has his hands tied behind his back and this person wins because he poisoned the water or his opponent's hands tied behind their back. Like I said, that is not the definition of strength. And this is what people need. This is the paradigm shift that we all must make is we have been taught and told repeatedly power is bad. 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 And good men, people who should otherwise be leaders have abrogated or they have shrugged that responsibility to lead, to be strong, to channel power. And in the process, we have left it to the parasitic class to fill that vacuum, to fill that gap. And Nietzsche predicted this 150 years ago. He said, like, and, and this is what's so prescient about Nietzsche that people, you know, often discount, is that he lived in the height of Western European power when everything thought, when everybody thought Europe could do no wrong. It is the peak of civilization. He said a cancer, and I'm paraphrasing him here, he said a cancer has entered 
uh, our civilization. And in the next century, we will enter the age of the last man. In he, by his definition, the last man is the NPC, the lemming, the masses, the, the people. You know, what he described as the cynical, skeptical that want to bring everything down to the average level. They hate beauty. They hate all that is, uh, you know, that is ascendant. They want to bring everything down. And we will enter that age because... We have allowed equalitarianism, majoritarianism, democratic ideals to infect the civilizations that has brought us this far. And the civilizations that brought Europe to its peak was a civilization of excellence, not of average. It's a completely different uh, trajectory. It's a completely different direction. It reminds me of Tony Robbins is like, you get growth or you get death. You don't get to pick both. Like they are two separate directions. They are divergent. And this is this is what I believe is like when we talk about the um, the pendulum swinging, it is fundamentally starting to swing back towards life, greatness, excellence, quality, and away from equality, democracy, um, death, average. Like they, they, that is that is starting to happen. But this is going to be a multi-generational shift. Uh, I like what you said about Tony Robbins, the growth versus death. I was before we started recording, I was on with my show producer Q and we and we were talking about I was talking about this specific point right there, which is um, we either grow or die, right? As humans, like uh, you have the Gary V's running around saying, Oh, we all need to be optimizing for happiness. Um, that's sort of a scam, right? And it's like, um, what gives us happiness really what we want fulfillment. We get fulfillment from helping others, and, and we get fulfillment from growth. We need goals without the hope people perish. So we need we need to set a goal. We have to have hope we can achieve that goal. We need to have growth to be able to achieve that goal. And that is what gives us that, um, that sense of purpose. And then if you understand that, and then you understand incentive structures, then you understand that we all as humans should be striving and growing because that's what brings that, um, that contentment to us. And it also better society. And we were talking about this in the context of, you know, today you hear about minimum wage workers need to get paid more. They need to be paid a living wage. And it's like, no, minimum wage workers were meant for part-time workers for college kids. And the, the goal is to grow past that. They should mm -hmm. continue to learn more skills and continue to up level. What happens is if we pay that cashier to sit there and push buttons, a living wage, they'll stay in that role the rest of their life. Correct. And if they stay in that role the rest of their life, grow or die, they die. They become depressed. They become obese. They become like, you know, all of these other unintended consequences that you see in society break down if they don't have growth. That's kind of the conversation I was having. Is that sort of how totally. you're... Assuming? Yeah, discomfort is your friend. Like, right? So, so the, the very definition of growth is to, to create discomfort, to move outside of one's comfort zone, right? And this is, once again, it like comes... We can relate that back to how one optimizes civilization, culture, and society, right? Is you, you create a culture of average and of comfort and of equalitarianism. You create a culture of death, fundamentally. And if you have a culture of excellence, which is often uncomfortable, a culture of excellence is fundamentally unequal. It's hierarchical. It is steeper than it is flat. And I, some people I'm going like I'm 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 to cut you off right there. We've got to take a quick break. If you're just doing listening to The Mark Moss Show, sitting down with Alex Fetsky, talking about hard times and hard men. We've got more to cover when we come back. Don't go away. Be right back. 
let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Sitting down with Alex Fetsky. We're talking about a new piece of, that was published called The Bitcoin Times. Um, Alex writes this. It's uh, a lot more than just Bitcoin as we're talking about society and incentives and so forth. Um, I had to cut you off there before the break, Alex. You were just kind of getting into a rant of talking about uh, sort of this need for growth. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, it is fundamentally, it's it's as true on the individual scale as it is true on the macro cultural scale. And like I've got a I've got a quote in the um, in the essay where I say, you know, the, the recipe is simple. Strong individuals equal a strong society. Weak individuals equal a weak society. And, and that I, I write that after a section where I really I wrote a paragraph that is designed to trigger people. But it's, it's true, and I pick my words very precisely. I say, and I'll quote this, it says, most people think that Bitcoin's greatest contribution will be to lift the masses up and help the weak, quote unquote. Now, while that will likely occur, but not for the reasons you think it will, it is my unpopular belief that the more important contribution and impact to mankind will be that Bitcoin makes the strongest stronger, the best 
better and the most powerful more powerful. And I even qualify it with the following sentence. I say, I can already feel you squirming as you read that line. So please read it again and then allow me to qualify, uh, clarify why this is a good thing. And, you know, my, my point here is that coming back to the to the game and the and the the boxing match we mentioned is that it is the strongest person that wins in a fair game. It is the best or it is the most powerful person that wins in a soccer match, in a game of any kind, in business or whatever, right? That is the framework you want to build. Now, the beauty of life, the beauty of culture, the beauty of society is that there's many, many, many dimensions that you can be the strongest in. And it is not only the first prize that gets rewarded. You just want to set up the framework and the structure so that excellence is the thing being rewarded, not average. Because as you said at the, uh, at the outset of our discussion here, it's incentives matter. Like if, if you incentivize average, don't be surprised to get more average. And I can tell you that average is the first step to death. That is the direction you're heading in. You know, if you incentivize excellence, you are going to get a bit of discomfort along the way because you're going to grow, but you are going to have an ascendant culture, one that reaches upwards instead of one that reaches downwards. And like to sort of quote Interstellar, the movie, right? He says, you know, we used to look up and uh, argue about our place in the stars or dream about our place in the stars. Now we look down and argue about our place in the dirt. That is the difference between an excellence-oriented civilization and an average or an equal equality-oriented civilization. It's fundamentally important. It is not nice. It is not pretty, but it's absolutely real, factual, and necessary to understand that. And then we need to make a decision around that. You talk about growth and we need, there's discomfort along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, we become our society in the United States. There's other countries that certainly live in squalor. And I mean, it's apocalyptic for many people around the world, billions of people around the world today in the United States or the West, if we'll say that um, we've have a life of comfort. And you think it's that life of comfort that leads to a lot of these problems. We need to go find some type of problem to have. Uh, we have the rise of people doing cold plunges every day. It's like, I need to bring some sort of stress into my life, right? Like I have to artificially create a hard time for myself. Um, and so it's like maybe some people, the, 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 the people on the fringe, the leaders are starting to realize that I better do something. I've noticed a, a bunch of people on you know social media. We talked about the Tates, and, et cetera, but there's a whole bunch of like men's coaches these days mm -hmm. that are mm -hmm. about discipline and wake up at 5am. And when my body tells me to go, I go and the cold plunge and all these things. Um, and I talked to a mutual friend who's very, very successful and he's working with one of these guys. And uh, he said, you know, Mark, I just realized that I built my life for comfort. And I'm just way too comfortable. I need to bring this back in. So like almost like people are starting to realize that and see that, but we have to sort of uh, manufacture that now in our lives for a lot of people. We, we, we do. So this is a tricky one. So what you want to do, I believe, is that you want progress in my mind is de defined as the, the increase of the quality of the problems and the kind of discomfort you face, right? So a low quality problem is what the f*** am I going to eat today? You know, a high quality of problem is how many people can I feed, right? Like they're, they're, they're like Tony Robbins, family. he's trying to exactly. feed a billion people. Exactly. So, so that is the quality of the problem, right? So, the, the the thing is not to escape problems or to just build a cushion around yourself. The thing is to seek higher quality problems and to seek a higher quality uh, of discomfort. And it is really that. important because, like. I, I had this epiphany when I was in um, in the Italian Alps and I was sitting there and I had this like 
I, I was watching this video clip from a guy called Jonathan Bowden, who's, a, who's an English, uh, he was an English politician and philosopher, and he says, um, you don't speak to people's minds, you speak to what's underneath the mind, you know, so, and, and what he means by that is like, people are seeking a feeling. And when we want to, when we create discomfort, we get closer to the source of life. And like, if you get too close to the source of life, you combust and you become one with the source again, you know, in other words, you die. But like, we like when we're too, you know, I was in a sauna and I was like feeling, you know, hot, 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 you know, and you start to like uh, desensitize to it. So then what do you do? You jump in the cold plunge and that shift, that change, that discomfort makes you feel alive again in the moment. And that is what we're always seeking. That's why we're always seeking to like, you know, distract ourselves, to create something, to eat something, to do something, to adventure, to, you know, surf, to fight, to do all this sort of stuff. Like life is movement. Life is motion. You, you know, in order to feel alive, you have to you have to jolt yourself in some way, shape or form. And that is that is, you know, if you think about where discomfort happens, it happens right at the edge of your comfort zone. Like literally, by definition, discomfort exists in the realm of the border between comfort, what you know and what is what is not known. So in order to grow as an individual, in order to feel alive, you need to go and play at that border. Now, if you go too far out, you might, as I said, kill yourself and become one with the, you know, with yeah. the source of life once more. Uh, yeah. But if you stay too far in, nothing happens and then you die a slow death. So you need to yeah. choose that. I love what you said. I want to dig back into you said uh, we should be tr all trying to chase or solve higher quality problems. Yes, I love quality. that. So you think about the difference of the guy, the homeless drug addict on the street and a Tony Robbins or a Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or whatever, right? And the homeless guy on the street is only thinking, how can I get that next hit, right? That's as far, well, one, it's the problem they're trying to solve. And it's as far as they can see. I can see 30 mm -hmm. minutes out. How do I get my next hit in 30 minutes? And as you move up through society, you see problems get a little bit bigger and time frames get a little bit longer. Now I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. How can I get my family taken care of when I'm working for trading hourly time, paycheck to paycheck? Then you got guys that have a little bit of money. And so now they can start to plan six months out, plan a family vacation. You know, maybe I'll start a business next year. And then all the way at the other end, you have the Bill Gates and the Jeff Bezos who are literally planning for three, four generations from now. So the time frame is different, but to your point, also the problem they're trying to solve is different. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I love that, and I want to just pound on that for a minute, is one, the, our goal is not to just, can I go make a million dollars and never have to work again? Like, no, like that's not our calling. We need to always be growing. We need to be solving bigger problems. Um, sure. But two, the reason why that resonated is I was talking before we started recording with somebody else, and I said something that was triggering, and I'm going to say it again and trigger everybody else. If you think about this philosophically, if I came over to your house and, uh, hey, Alex, let me bring my truck over and help you move for two days. Um, and, I, and I use my time, my labor. I even paid for the gas. Like, you would kind of owe me a favor, right? So, hey, I have an IOU. Uh, now, Alex, you'll help me out when I need it. So let's say you gave me a piece of paper that says I owe you a favor kind of a thing, right? But if it, that's like a barter society. Or you can give me a dollar, which is like an IOU certificate that I can go cash in mm -hmm. with somebody else. So if you think about money as like I've provided value to somebody else and they owe me a favor, but instead of a barter system, I have a certificate that I can go exchange at the, at the store for an IOU. Mm -hmm. If you start to think about it that way, the more I've gone and helped people, the more of these IOUs I stack up or money. And if you think about it that way, then you would say being broke means you're greedy means you're stingy. If you're broke, you haven't put enough goodwill into the world. What favors have you done to stack up IOU certificates? 
And the fiat money changes that. Obviously, people manipulate the money system to print money for themselves and steal that. So it doesn't apply because our system is distorted. But if you think about it from mm -hmm. that philosophical level, I always want to be solving more problems. I always want to be stacking up these IOUs. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Alex Fetsky, the co-author of our book, The Uncommunist Manifesto. Highly worth uh, reading it. Also, he is the author of The Bitcoin Times. Um, we'll be back with more in a minute. We've got to take a very quick break, but don't go away. Be right back. All right. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Sitting down with Alex Fetsky, my uh, co-author of our book, The Uncommunist Manifesto. You should certainly go read that if you haven't already. It's like an hour, hour and a half read. Uh, check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes down below. He's also the author of The Bitcoin Times. Um, so we were talking about, uh, before the break, Alex, sort of uh, money and uh, being IOUs, but solving bigger problems. I like that. Great framing. Very good I, framing. I, I, I want to yeah, transition into this. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was going to be triggering. Uh, people think that rich people are greedy, but it's the poor people that are greedy. Oh, totally. They don't want to hear that. But, can, can I just say one triggering thing there? There's yeah. a, I saw a great tweet, and it was like, it's easy to hate the rich. It takes courage to hate the poor. 
so that lines up with what you said. I was like, damn, that that tweet hits hard. I mean, we we've talked a lot of times about this, and and let me just throw this out for all the triggered people. You know, um, you don't look at LeBron James and hate LeBron James because he's so much better at basketball than everybody else, and he's made so much more money. And I and but for some reason you look at the rich like a Jeff Bezos or whatever, and you think that he's greedy and he's he's ripped everybody off. But why? But what about LeBron James? Why is he making so much more? Why doesn't he distribute some of his wealth to the lower level basketball players? You don't you don't think that? And I think the reason why is because the rules of basketball are fair. Everyone has to play by the same rules, but everybody knows the rules of money are not fair. And so I think there's that that sits on top of it. And so there mm-hmm. are certainly exceptions to the rule. Um, I do believe that the, the the Bezos and the Gates of the world manipulate the government and regulations to build trenches for their business. And some of their wealth they've gotten is maybe we'd consider that unfair tactics. They're not you know playing fairly in the market. But you know throwing those outliers out, I think the rule applies pretty broadly to most of us, you and I, the workers of the world, the small business owners, et cetera. It does. I think, um, I mean, to play devil's advocate, to play devil's advocate, I was going to say, like, they they are using the current rules and the current paradigm to their advantage, right? They're like, well, you know, if you're going to hand out this and if I have the capacity to manipulate this and that, I'm going to do it and that's what I'm going to do. And this is is why Bitcoin's so, I believe, important is that it it creates a framework. This is the the big question of uh, next year's book, The Bushido of Bitcoin, is the question is, does a framework like Bitcoin, require a new playbook or a new way to operate. And I believe that the current paradigm that we live in, the current socioeconomic and political paradigm that we uh, live in, requires one to adapt themselves in such a way that, you know, cheating or becoming friends with politics and, you know, central bankers and such stuff like that gets you ahead. You know, now it, it, it might get you ahead monetarily and, you know, socio-politically speaking, but in some way it empties your soul and there's a price to pay for that. Um, but it still gets you ahead, whereas... On a, on a Bitcoin standard, you know, in the absence of being able to so easily cheat at scale, um, I do believe a new set of virtues or a new set of principles or a new set of behavior is warranted. And that's the, that's the 10 virtues that I outline in the book, which is, you know, things like justice, courage, um, responsibility, excellence, uh, loyalty, respect. Uh, self-control like so so I list out all of these things I look at the philology and the etymology of all of the what these things actually mean what does the word virtue mean right and then I establish a a I propose a playbook for winning on a Bitcoin standard which I believe will be quite different and you'll get you know what I consider the archetype the Alexander the Great meets Steve Jobs archetype you know the 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 warrior CEO king kind of archetype that I believe will uh, be the closest thing to what Nietzsche called the Ubermensch. And that is the kind of person that will lead uh, you know, the future or, or lead the world in what the future will look like. Is that sort of like a Renaissance man where they have like multiple disciplinary kind of mastery? Yes, pro- probably similar in some sense. You know, the, the Renaissance man was the, they weren't was really the original the polymath. Yeah, yeah, the, polymath the, the, yeah, the Renaissance man was the, the original polymath. So, so this, I believe, is... Um, is like so so you spoke earlier about like you know when you have more money we're dealing with a high quality problem you know you're thinking two three generations down right so when when nietzsche was talking about the ubermensch he wasn't talking about some specific individual that was going to rise up in like a new napoleon right although that that could be arguable as like there is the ubermensch of ubermensches right but what i believe he was more referring to was an archetype of person who was 
over time consciously and intentionally developed. And the best way to understand this is through a um, through a joke I made a couple of years ago in an article that I wrote for edition four of the Bitcoin Times. I spoke about fire Bitcoin teleportation, right? And I said in there, the world is likely going to bifurcate into two types of people, homo hystericus and homo bitcoinicus, right? Where homo hystericus is the you know, wearing six masks on a prescription medication, you know, with like injections or whatever. He's going to be, you know, uh, inside watching Netflix, eating the bugs, drinking soy and, um, you know, eating Beyond Beef. And that's his life versus Homo Bitcoinicus is the person who's out there getting sunshine. You know, their wealth is in Bitcoin. They're training, they're lifting heavy, they're building a family, they're eating meat, like, et cetera. Right? And I was like, what do you think is going to happen after one, two, three generations of these divergent types of living? I was like, you're going to have two different types of people. So what Nietzsche's position on the Ubermensch, and it's funny because I didn't know anything about Nietzsche or the Ubermensch back then. I was like, oh, crap. Like, he spoke about what I'm memeing here 150 years ago, and he says, the Ubermensch is a archetype that will take intentional breeding, like intentional multi-generational development in order to create a new class of human that is of a higher physical, spiritual, emotional and mental stature and structure. And I believe that kind of archetype of person is our duty to develop, to develop a new human. Like the the, the term Ubermensch means superman or overman. Like so... The, the next iteration. And, and I'm not talking about like cyborgs and stuff like that. I'm just talking about like a, like a, a superior person um, than a bug man, right? And that takes time. It takes intention. It take, it's the ultimate low time preference um, uh, endeavor. I just want to correct myself. My show producer Q threw this in there. He also runs, uh, I think, a show called Bitcoin Ballers. Uh, where he talks about Bitcoin and basketball. So he had to fact check mm -hmm. me. Uh, LeBron James is not the highest paid player in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, uh, some guy in the Celtics with a larger contract. Uh, so anyway, uh, correct that. I want to, we have a couple minutes left here, Alex. I want to talk about something else that you talked about and we've talked about extensively offline. And in this, in this, in this article that you wrote, the Bitcoin Times Energy Edition, you start talking about, uh, and you've mentioned several times this archetype. And you talked about, um, the masses and a rising tide. And so we become overwhelmed, I think a lot of people, and we're like, how do we reach the masses? How do we get everyone to wake up? How do we get everybody on board with this, right? Um, and I think the key is we don't. We don't need them and maybe we don't even want them on board. What is this about the, the masses, uh, maybe, maybe the remnant in the masses and then this sort of rising tide? We got about a minute and a half. Cool. Let's let's tie this into Millet and what he represents and him as somebody who is appealing to a different character of person, right? So what's important, and we spoke about the mimetics of civilization earlier, right, is that people copy others. Um, people copy that which they most want to emulate and um, or that which seems to be the one getting ahead. So instead of lowering your message and uh, kind of like diluting it so that it appeals to the lowest common denominator. If you do what Millet is doing is you target the people with character, the people who are the producers, the creators, the movers and the shakers, 
they will then mimetically, they will become your lightning rod for the rest of the people. But more importantly, even if they don't, that group, that warrior class, that entrepreneur class, that producer class are the ones that matter anyway. They're the ones who are going to make civilization better. And therefore, everybody benefits. But if you do the opposite, if you try and cater to the lowest common denominator, the people who matter don't give a crap. They don't listen to you anyway because you're a charlatan. The, the bottom of the rung don't do anything about it anyway. And then all of society devolves. And this comes back to what we discussed earlier. It's like you have excellence and ascendance or you have average and death. And this is very important to decide on very early. And that's yeah. what I think Malay represents. And that's where I think the future is going to fundamentally go. And, and what I'm just going to tie this back, I got a few seconds left, but to tie it back, it's all about leading by example. So totally. we, we influence the masses, not by trying to educate them, but by leading by example, not by telling them what to do, by showing them what to do. So um, if you're just tuning in and listening to the Mark Moss Show, I've been sitting down with Alex Svetsky, the co-author of our book, The Uncommonist Manifesto. Check that out. He's also, also the author of the Bitcoin Times, bitcointimes.io. You should go check out the new issue that we've been discussing. We'll link to it all in the show notes down below. Um, as always, send me a comment. Let me know what you think about the show. And that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.